it's like my home, you know, when people come here, I want them to feel welcome, I want them to know that we appreciate the place, that we enjoy what we do, we're all a family here, you know, we're happy for you to be here. I actually enjoy it, I don't see it as a job anymore. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast, I'm Anthony Huckstep. The hospitality sector, for the most part, is made up of family-run restaurants that become part of the fabric of the community. They're magical parts of our social construct and in some instances can provide a platform for something even bigger. Henry Tadavosian is the chef and owner of Anais, Taste of Persia. Henry, how are you? Good, thanks. Yourself? I'm good. It's good to get you on the show. You're doing some pretty amazing things there. How, how are things traveling? Yeah, very interesting, I'll say. You know, it's been a very eventful and very interesting couple of years in the past, actually. So, yeah, I've been in the industry for almost 15 years now. And, yeah, some very interesting things have happened in the time. Well, you've uh, you've sort of made a bit of a name for yourself um, on online with doing all sorts of videos and stuff like that. How has that impacted on what you do with the restaurant? Oh, big time. Like originally when I started YouTube, I started mainly for to give everyone an idea of like what I do in sort of from a chef point of view, not so much from a home chef point of view. And look, at the start, I did say, like, one-minute videos. Like, I never expected to be so big. But basically, I wanted to also use it as a source of advertising for my restaurant to try and get customers to come in. And, and what's been the impact of it? Well, I'd say probably, say, a few months after I started YouTube, I'd start to get, like, random people coming in just to meet me. And, like, you know, just, I'm talking when I had, like, say, 50 subscribers and, like, videos of, like, not even 50 views. So, look, in a way, it's a bit embarrassing. But, you know, just being the humble sort of person I am, it was also very exciting, sort of, you know, inspired me to, you know, keep doing it and, you know, hang in there. And, yeah, here we are today. Well, um, yeah, you've uh, certainly got a lot more people viewing than, than those early days. What sort of impact has it, has it had on, on the business? Well, um, yes, yeah, so it's been close to 10 years now that I've been doing it. And... Look, the first sort of people that I got that recognized me actually came here from Chicago. And they're like to me, oh, you know, you have a massive following here in Chicago. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like halfway across the world. And um, yeah, apparently they're like real serious views. They use all my recipes there. And yeah, look, from then on, it started. And, you know, I really started to promote YouTube and everything. And yeah, like I get a lot of customers that actually come in. They just want to meet me. Um, they don't necessarily come in just to eat, but, you know, they want to take a photo with me, meet me, you know, actually see the chef in person. And yeah, Lou, it's a very exciting experience, you know. Well, tell us a little bit about uh, the restaurant. Yeah, so um, the restaurant itself, Anais, we opened here 10 years ago in July, actually. So we just celebrated our 10th birthday. And look, um, it's a family operated restaurant, as I mentioned. So me and my brother sort of run the place and... Our parents are sort of in the background helping us. Um, a lot of the recipes and everything are sort of, you know, in the family. So I haven't personally been to Iran in about close to 20 years now. But a lot of the things I remember from, you know, my childhood when I did visit. And a lot of the inspiration did come from my parents as well. Like a lot of the kebab recipes was my dad that actually taught me how to do it. So it's a very... Um, 
I'll, I'll never go and say, oh, I'll learn everything on my own. Like, I did get a lot of help from my family. And, yeah, so, yeah, you know, um, apart from COVID giving us a very interesting experience, like, you know, things have been good, you know. Well, I want to explore what you're doing and, and your food in uh, greater detail shortly, but take us back to when you were young. Where, where did you grow up and what sort of role did food play? Yeah, definitely. So, I, I was born in Perth in Western Australia. So, uh, we moved here when I was 12. And in my childhood, um, whenever there was school holidays, I never went to childcare. We had relatives that sort of looked after me and they were sort of elderly. And what she would do is she would always be baking, especially baklava. That's what I remember baklava from. So she'd always be baking and cooking and sort of with those very old techniques. And I always enjoyed watching it and I enjoyed eating it, of course. And, you know, I'd always watch like cooking shows when I was a kid. So Jeff Jans and Huey's, like all that, that sort of played a big part. So I always had that interest in cooking and you know, putting things together, getting things excited. And um, look, it's something I put aside when I sort of moved to Sydney. Um, Then until pretty much when I went to senior high school where I did food tech, I sort of got back into it again. And um, yeah, like we, we were 18, I was 18 when we opened our first family restaurant, which was a pizza restaurant. And we had two chefs there and they sort of, um, they were the ones that actually inspired me, I guess, to sort of learn more, especially like our head chef, which was Nathan. He pretty much taught me how to run a kitchen and, you know, he really got me out of my comfort zone and I learned so much. Well, I want to talk about that, that first restaurant that um, your family opened when you were 18 shortly, but tell, tell us a little bit about the food of your family sort of when you were growing up and, and a bit of an insight into Persian food. Yeah, Sure. Well, that's a very interesting one, to be honest, because, you know, growing up with sort of Middle Eastern food in Western Australia, you know, I'd go to school and all the kids would have like Vegemite sandwiches and meat pies and sausage rolls. And then I'm thinking to myself, what the hell is wrong with me? (laughs) What is all this random stuff? So, yeah, growing up was very interesting because Persian food is sort of, we have like a lot of kebabs, but we have a lot of sort of curries and stews and like similar to casseroles. And that's sort of what I grew up with. So, you know, going to a, you know, Aussie school, Aussie public school, you know, just confused in a way. So, um, look, yeah, like eventually I sort of got sick of it. And then when I started to eat like more Australian food, like, you know, hot dogs and meat pies and all this, like <laughs> it was a real like mind opener. <laughs> like, like what have I been missing out my whole life? <laughs> That's the best way to describe it, I'd say. Well, I think there'd be a lot of people these days would be envious of the, the Persian food that was in your family while you were growing up. Is, is there any sort of dishes or feasts that you remember from your family growing up that you can tell us about? Yeah, so one of the signatures I'll say is warme sabzi, which we serve here. Basically, it's like a stew with lamb and it has fried herbs, lime and um, kidney beans. And this is slow cooked for, say, over three to four hours. And um, as a kid, for some reason, I hated it. I would not stand it. I never, ref- I always refused to eat it unless I was forced to. <laughs> but like now that I make it myself and I serve it and everybody absolutely loves it, like I can understand what I was missing out. So it's, yeah, just that whole confusion of, you know, growing up as a Middle Eastern and an Australian culture. Like, yeah, 
And what else? Like, I would say that's the one thing that stands out a lot. Um, the kebabs and everything I always loved as a kid. So, you know, nothing's changed. I still love it now. T- tell us about that period of time when you were 18 and your family opened uh, the pizza restaurant. Yeah. What, 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 was it, what was it like being part of sort of the build-up and opening of that um, at that time in your life? So, um, yeah, we started when I was 18. So, we opened the restaurant as a family business. So, all of us were involved at that time. So, that was 15 years ago now. And basically, we didn't have much experience in, well, pretty much had no experience in hospitality, but we did have like a bit of a background in operating a business. So my parents helped out a lot at that stage, of course. And yeah, we opened and we had two chefs working for us. So the roles of me and my brother were more just to sort of manage the place and, you know, be be the face of the business, I'd say. And eventually... um, Basically, we got pretty busy at that time. So, on the pizza section, we got very busy. So, the pizza chef at that stage sort of taught me the ropes so I could help him out. And eventually, I just took over that entire section. And this was probably like, say, two or three weeks after our opening. So, yeah, so there was a lot of pressure on me, you know, to make sure the standards are always high. And, yeah, basically, like, I learned very, very quickly how to take over that. So it's very interesting. Like I still think back, you know, I was 18, but <laughs> hey, somehow I did it. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, the family opened uh, the second restaurant, which celebrates 10 years shortly, as you mentioned. Um, t- tell us about sort of what that was like and the reasons for opening uh, Anais. Nice, yeah. So, yeah, basically um, at this time, the... Italian restaurant was operating perfectly, smoothly. Um, it was very busy all the time. So we came across an opportunity to open a second restaurant. And yeah, we found this place that had a beautiful lake view, waterfront views. And it was a perfect place for a Persian restaurant. So look, we took the chance. We hired a Persian chef to sort of help us out. Um, yeah, when we opened, look, we were pretty busy. Um, this restaurant itself is more tucked away. So we specialized more in sort of private events. We just last week, we had a 90th birthday actually as well. So we do a lot of private functions here. Like, <laughs> so it gets pretty stressful, but look, it's always a fun experience. And yeah, so here, yeah, we just celebrated 10 years. Um, yeah, it really feels like just a year ago that we opened. So it's really flown by. The last couple of years have been... Um pretty challenging for many people you had to let go of one of the restaurants in that time tell us about the impact on you and the family that COVID had yes so yeah that was very interesting so when COVID did start we still had both restaurants um look obviously the whole thing came as a surprise not just to us but to everyone like I wouldn't think something like that would even be possible um so obviously we had to switch to takeaways only straight away um, look, at first, look, it was very, very challenging, especially, you know, we have to cut our staff straight away. Um, we still, still still kept in contact with them, you know, because we didn't know how long it would last. But um, <clears throat> look, takeaways started to pick up very well, actually. And um, unfortunately, the main issue was because Uber and DoorDash and Menulog would take such a big cut, eventually you'd think, is it worth it? You know, is it better off just closing up and, you know, cutting your losses but look somehow we managed to pull through um with both restaurants we managed to pull through 
And yeah, once lockdown ended, we, we brought all the staff back, went back to normal, which, yeah, as you know, was only for a brief period of time. <laughs> but um, yeah, so look, it was a, I wouldn't say it was a bad experience. It was good to see how we could survive with just takeaways only. And it was a sad experience, you know, having to cuddle the staff. And, you know, I really felt bad because we're all like family. Like all the stuff we've been here with for a long time. Um, yeah, so look, we did pull through. There was a bit of government support as well. And yeah, like it has sort of picked back up. But of course, now with the challenges with like utility prices and stock prices and, you know, short staff and, you know, everything, it seems to always be something that, something, there's always some sort of challenge. Was it hard to let go of the pizzeria? Yeah, like, I mean, honestly, like, I never had a day off. Like, I was there every day and every night. Then my parents would be there helping as well. And it was just getting too hectic. Like, it was impossible to find the staff. Like, I remember I counted up, put almost two grand worth of job ads up, and I was getting nothing out of it. And, yeah, with the side we just had to let one go. Like, it was just getting too much. Like, the stress was just too much. Tell us a little bit about the food at Anais and um, is there a couple of dishes uh, that you can take us through that sort of exemplifies what you're doing there? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So obviously we do Persian food. Um, so we do a main focus on sort of flame grilled kebabs, curries, stews and that sort of thing. So in a way, it's a meat lover's paradise, I'd say. Unfortunately, yeah, we don't have that many vegetarian dishes, but yeah, a lot of people don't seem to mind. <laughs> but um, look, as I mentioned before, um, the gourmet sabzi, which is the lamb stew with the fried herbs, that is one of our signature stews here. Uh, we also do another stew, which I added to the menu just last year. Um, it's called fusenjun. And basically, this is a sort of slow-cooked casserole. It's got chicken and it's got finely ground walnuts and a pomegranate sauce. So it's sort of on that sweet, savory, um, a little bit on the nutty sort of side, but it has quickly become one of our most popular dishes here, actually. And apart from the stews, we've got our kebabs as well. We do something called a lamb kubi there, and this is sort of a minced kebab similar to like kufta, and that's also one of our signatures here. So. You know, we go through something like 15 to 20 kilos of it every week. Yeah, so, yeah. And it's hand-skewed as well, so it's a lot of work. What what, what is, what, can you give us an idea of sort of Persian food and its presence in Sydney? What's what's your thoughts about its maturity within the culinary landscape? Yeah, for sure. So, um, look, from what I recall when we moved to Sydney, there wasn't that many Persian restaurants from what I remember. Um, I'm talking easily, I can count on my hands how many there was, but in recent times, it's really evolved, like, here, like in Norwest, it's just me, and there's, there's no other Persian restaurants here, there's a few Afghan restaurants, which is very close to the cuisine, very close, um, but once you head out to sort of Parramatta, if you head out to Maryland, and you get a lot of Persian restaurants everywhere, unfortunately, I find a lot of them they don't really keep the quality, like the consistency is not good. And like you'd find probably like 10 of them right next door to each other. And they all look the same. They all have the same exact menu, same exact setup. Like there's no sort of excitement. And I find it sort of, 
it makes the cuisine sort of look bad because like I'll get people that come here and they're surprised by how beautiful the place looks and they're like, you know, we've been to Persian restaurants in Parramatta or Auburn before and they're nothing like this. And yeah, I feel like a lot of them sort of downgrade the culture. What would you like to see sort of um, in regards to Persian food in Australia? Um, given that it's such a, there's so many people from that region, um, you know, bringing up families and... Like, um, look, I, a lot of them actually, the way I see it, of course, and I was brought up here, so my opinion would be different to theirs, but it seems like they just come here and they open a restaurant straight away and they try to do the exact techniques and the recipes and like the attitude of how they would be if they were in Iran. And I find that doesn't really go with the Australian culture. Like I, like a lot of the Aussie customers we get, they don't want to see all that. They want to come to a nice, you know, clean, well-operated restaurant and they want to have a good time. Like they don't want to go somewhere where they're going to have like a very bad meal, they're going to get yelled at or they're going to be looked at for not being Persian, for being different. You know, and I find that's a very common experience. Even with myself, like I even feel the same. Tell us a little bit about uh, Henry's how-tos. Um, what, what sort of food are you cooking on there? Yeah, sure. So, yeah, I started the YouTube channel, yeah, roughly about 10 years ago now. And at the time, we just had the Italian restaurant. So, basically, I would start with, like, you know, how to make a Napolitano sauce, how to, you know, boil spaghetti, you know, very basic, simple stuff like that. It wasn't until I did a uh, recipe on how to make Turkish Adana kebab which is very similar to our kubide that we do here. And that was the first video that sort of went viral. And what, when I tried to realize why, I noticed that all the other videos on it were done in Turkish or a different language. So a lot of people couldn't understand how to do it. And because mine was obviously in English, they preferred to watch that. And it was from that that I realized a lot of the Middle Eastern videos on there are all done in like a different language. So that's why, like, I started to do more Middle Eastern videos. And, I mean, you know, if you scroll through, you get the occasional sort of Italian video that I still do. But I try to do the focus more on Middle Eastern. And then even a few, like, I've done on Asian cuisine as well, you know, just to mix it up a bit. So I try and do a bit of everything, you know, just to keep things exciting and fun. And, yeah, no one wants to see the same thing every day, you know. Give, it, give us a sense of what's, what's some of the sort of dishes that are sort of key to your heritage that are featured on, on the how-tos. The first, obviously, viral Persian video I did would be on the kubide kebab, which was the mince kebab. Um, look, growing up, you know, I think we had that at least once a month, like in the backyard. And um, other than that, there's a gourmet sabzi. Pretty much all the stews I do, I've done a video on. And... Um, yeah, a few like you know, dips and entrees, little bits and pieces like that. And I'll try and mix it up with a bit of sort of Armenian videos as well, which are very close, a bit of Afghan videos. And there is a bit of like sort of the Indian cuisine in the Persian cuisine as well. So lately I've done a lot on tandoori sort of videos and using those sorts of spices as well. Yeah, once again, just to mix it up. Yeah, like we both Indian and Persian cuisine uses a lot of saffron and a lot of rose water, so there's a lot of similarities there. Well, what's it like for you running a restaurant day to day, and then having so many people know 
who you are and pop in to to see you and get a photo what sort of impact has it had on you um yeah look honestly like i'm a very i'm a very humble person i won't go out and say yeah you know i'm famous you know you need to come and see me you know i'm not like that at all so it like it's a very sort of warm exciting feeling when they come and they want to meet me yeah they want to sort of eat my food and take a photo with me and like you know to a lot of them i don't know they think of me as a like minor celebrity i would say yeah, and, you know, it's a very nice feeling to feel that, hey, people appreciate, you know, what I'm doing. Because, like, as you said, you know, day-to-day running a restaurant, you know, sometimes 15 to 18 hours a day, you know, it, sometimes it gets too much to do the YouTube as well on the side. But when you have someone come and they appreciate it like that, you know, it gives you that boost to go, oh, like, you know, I need to keep doing this, you know, people like it. You, you mentioned that uh, you're working with your brother and it's a family-run restaurant, but are there challenges with working with family? Um, look, in my experience, I know a lot of people have issues because, you know, you'll have two different opinions and then you clash, so it's very hard. But look, um, my brother and myself, we work very well together. Like, sometimes we have a difference of opinion, but not something we'll fight over or, like, argue over. Like, you know, we'll sit down and we'll see you know, what's the pros and cons of doing this and doing that. So, yeah, I wouldn't say it's that challenging for me personally, but we do have our our differences every now and then, but not enough to, like, walk out and say, hey, like, you know, don't speak to me. Like, it's never reached that point. At least I don't think so. (laughs) Well, you're doing amazing things at Anais and um, it's very popular. What what do you love about what you do? Uh, Yeah, that's a very interesting question. (laughs) Um... Look, it's something I, I've, like, I have my moments, moments, of course, like everyone else probably does as well, where you feel like, what's the point? It's too much. It's too stressful. But I find even when I have a day off, I'll still come here and I'll, you know, like, I'll make a video. I'll do some cleaning. I'll do something because I actually, it's like my home, you know. When people come here, I want them to feel welcome. I want them to know that we appreciate the place, that we enjoy what we do. We're all a family here, you know, we're happy for you to be here. And like, yeah, like, uh, I'll even do a YouTube video when I'm on my day off, you know, even if it's midnight, I'll still do a video. Like, like I actually enjoy it. I don't see it as a job anymore. It's more like it's something I have to do, you know? Well, uh, Henry, it's, a, it's an honor to get you on Deep in the Weeds today to hear a bit of your story. Um, good luck with the restaurant and with the, the how-to videos as well. Uh, please keep in touch and we'll catch up again soon. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an honor. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds Podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au and be well.